We are not millennials. We are matured. Brought up on collaboration as an art form. Delivered as value. Steve, stop touching all the buttons on that new toy that you got. You mean to say stop touching those knobs? Yes. <laughs> Even better, yes. <laughs> so, yes, we have new toys. Yes. Toys to play with. Yes. I have uh, a new uh, controller for the mixing desk, and we have new microphones. It, it looks pretty awesome. The, the new mics are a little heavier than the old ones. Yeah, I'm sorry. It's good exercise for you. It is good exercise. I might be switching hand from hand every now and again, but yeah. I do that it's normally good. too. Yeah. <laughs> oh boy, is it going to be no, one of those No, 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 not at all. No. We were just talking about exercising yeah, yeah, yeah. and making exactly. sure that you don't end up with, you know, one arm that one is stiff size. arm. Yeah, yes. and, and, and that's right. <laughs> and end up with a stiff microphone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But for, for all the gadget lovers out there, what, what's that tool called? Oh, it's uh, my favorite supplier, which is Presonus. Mm -hmm. uh, so that's the manufacturer. And it's called an IO Station 24C. And basically, we use a, a virtual desk. So our mixing desk is Studio One, which is running off, off the laptop, of course. Yep. Mm -hmm. um, and then this is the controller for it. So it plugs into the basic desk. So it's like having a physical mixing desk. But of course, it's still driven by... The, the, software. the virtual stuff yeah and all the sliders move on their own which is the coolest thing in the world i saw it happen and i was like oh my god that is so cool i need one i don't know how to operate it i don't know what i'll use it for but it is just so freaking awesome we needed to upgrade two reasons really um we're off to barcelona in a week and we are yes. going to record lots and lots of stuff on there for yeah. our whiskey at ease channel yes um so and... that means drinking a lot of whiskey Oh, no. Uh, no, no. You will have to spit it out so that we stay sober for the... Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> um, and um, so, yes, I want to do that. And, of course, we we're going to be recording a whole bunch of podcasts yeah. Um, yes. yeah. uh, over there as we did before. Mm -hmm. So, mm -hmm. uh, consequently, I wanted to be able to take a, a little device. And so we've got our new microphones, which, as you say, are heavier. Yes. Uh, and so that we can uh, try and improve the quality of our product. So that's Even what we're doing. more. I like to wow. think so, yes. Okay, so we're all doing it for our dear listeners. Uh, it's, everything's their fault. Yes. It's all their fault. Nice. No doubt about that. Nice, 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 nice. So we so, shall see. Episode 78. 78. Jesus. Do you know that's only 22 to 100? I hate to think uh -oh. what we're going to do at 100. I keep thinking about that figure. Because <laughs> we might get divorced before then, and then we're in Scrooge, you know? I don't think so. I, I think, think there so are either. so many things that we still need to talk about. Well, mm -hmm. talking about what we're talking about, we're still doing back to basics, but I think we've failed. I think so, too. Well, this is our, <laughs> is it fourth? Uh, third, so what have, what third, have we done? Fourth. We did back to basic content types. Uh, yes, uh, site architecture. Yeah, we did uh, data last week. Listen yeah. data, and then this one is yeah, back to basics migration. Yes, content migration. So we're not talking about exchange. You never hear us talk about exchange. No, we're not going to no. be talking about no, exchange. No, 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 no. Not our, not our thing, really. Uh, yeah. So yes, we were talking about content and data and knowledge and all that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. 
everything that used to fit on SharePoint and, and now fits on Teams and things like that. So that is cool. Um, but this back to basics thing, you know, I, I kind of think that we're over and above basics. Yes. So my idea with back to basics was actually to have a session where people that are that just got thrown a project like this, their first SharePoint project that they need to handle, that we would provide them with some good basic knowledge mixed with some experience that we had, some best practices, things that you can't find if you go to a YouTube channel or a docs.microsoft.com page, yeah. something like that. But yeah. So there's only one word to describe how well we've done, really. I think something like, um, oops. <laughs> well, the idea was to start with level 100 mixed with a level 200, but we might go to a level uh, Brazilian at some point. Brazilian, yeah, yes. Exactly. No, I think so. But I think that's basically because this podcast is about our experience. And of course, it is, yeah. our experience is yeah. complicated. So mm -hmm. maybe we... We think about this back to basics while we're in Barcelona mm -hmm. and maybe do some short 15-minute, half-an-hour We might, yeah, yeah, stuff. yeah. Yeah, exactly, because I, I do think we nailed it on the content types episode. I think we really nailed it there where we really talked about what's content type, how do you want to use that in your organization, why is it important, things like that. Yeah. Uh, but I think last episode with the, with the data one, I think we kind of went overboard. And same thing with this. I mean, we migration. Yet. <laughs> no, I know, but we, we migration is such an, an an easy topic, and it's just moving your documents from A to B. But while we were preparing for it, we just, yeah, we also kind of went overboard. So yeah, I mm -hmm. think so. But but I think that even to say we did the base back to basics for content types uh, on seventy six or seventy five, whatever the number mm -hmm. was, content types are already a step two. You know, they're already at the 200 level, quite frankly. Yes, so, yes, yes. So that's good. So anyway, we took a different approach for migration. Um, so we're going to get into it in a little while. But what you did today was ask a few buddies and colleagues and the community and yeah. say, guys, yeah. we're going to talk about migration tonight. Give us a few ideas. So um, we're going to start quoting a few people's ideas. Um, mm -hmm. Thank you for all of you that made comment. We will name you and shame you as we go through. Um, we already know we don't agree. Uh, both Moraine and I never agree, which what makes this so much fun. Exactly. But also, um, yeah, I'm not entirely certain that uh, some of these comments from other people are based in reality. Um, and that sounds really, really rude. I didn't mean it that way, but the practicality, based in yes. practicality okay, okay, might okay. be a better way for okay. it. But let's go. But let's start off by defining what our migration is because if you're going to start any migration you have to start off with a migration strategy oh i was i was going to say with a whiskey but okay we've yeah. already started off with a whiskey yes actually let's just do that um so <laughs> just because we do we have whiskey on the board no we don't should oh. write it on the board oh, just to let fail. you know folks we tasted the whiskey earlier today um you'll know that we both love the lechi the ledeg uh, mm -hmm. It's from Tobermory Distillery. And uh, we just took the first bottle from their Sinclair range. Yeah. And so we tasted that and we said that we would definitely drink that on a future podcast. So sure. you've got that to look yeah. forward to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's red. I've never seen the whiskey <laughs> so red. Maybe the Australian one where the Ruby, was, yes. was the, spent the, the a whole lifetime yeah. 
in there, but this was in a Rioja yeah. barrel. So yes, okay. that's the day. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. we're going to go back to our favorite whiskey country, probably, mm-hmm. um, which isn't Ireland. Mm-hmm. So we're going to go As to well. Japan. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes. So tonight we will be drinking Japan 12-year-old whiskey. So we'll look forward to that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Anyway. Migration strategy. Yes. Why do you need to have a migration strategy? That's a very good question. Uh, because you kind of want to decide. There, there are a number of things that you need to decide. Like, do I... What, what is our way forward? After this. That is the perfect answer. And you said you didn't know. That is actually the perfect answer. Yeah. Because your migration strategy is basically going to define, I believe anyway, um, what we're going to do in the cloud. Yes, exactly. I mean, for 30 years, we've had file shares and folders and all that kind of stuff. Lotus Um, notes and whatever. uh, Yeah, Yeah, and all those Mm. things. But our migration strategy is going to define how we will see and present and access that content after it's moved to the cloud. Yep, exactly. So, so I honestly think it does define the roadmap for our kind of collaboration and, and content True. Uh, well, strategies. I, I would say that you probably defined already when you go to Office 365, when you make that decision, you probably already decide on what kind of applications you want to use for what. So you probably want to say, okay, collaboration will go to Teams, we will start using OneDrive, we will start using SharePoint for this and this and this. Yeah, all of that's already defined, though, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, even if we just take the um, Mocha framework and, oh, and yeah. take that as exactly. red, that's yeah. good. Mm-hmm. But in terms of migration strategy, there's a reason why I believe you need to document it, uh, and that's because you have to get the buy-in of everybody. So True. Your, your board, your stakeholders, your personas basically needs to map out, your ambassadors, they all need to know what my new environment is going to be like after we migrate. Yes. Um, I don't know whether you need to go that far to start off with. Uh, how do I, what do I mean by this? So if I create a SharePoint site, I can start using it immediately. Yeah. I don't have to migrate to, to start no, collaborating true. No, yes, or yes. You sharing start or with saving a, a fresh. Yeah. So... Everything we say is a proviso that we need that is part of our strategy for the cloud, mm-hmm. but it's not part of our migration strategy. Yep. So our migration strategy... Which actually is also a migration strategy, just saying, let's leave everything there and we'll start off new in a new location. That's also kind of a strategy saying, let's not do a migration. I was trying to keep it back yes. to basics okay. and simple. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> but... But it is it is part of the roadmap for mm-hmm. your transition yeah. to to there. But let's just talk about my, let's define migration. Oh no! So okay, yeah. let's we haven't done this yet, so it's not okay. even on the board. I'm talking. Nope. I'm diversifying, but mm-hmm. just for the, for our sake, um, migration to us is taking content from an existing active working location into Office three six five or Microsoft three six five. Location, whether yeah. that location is OneDrive, whether that location is a library. Exactly. So the new tools that we are going to use from here on on. Yeah, but they're not, are they? Because the tools are basically going to be pointing to that that content. So it's not the tools. I, I get where you're coming from. It's yeah. a new way of working. Yeah. It's definitely exactly. Exactly. a new way of working. Yes. If tools equals new way of working, I absolutely agree. Yeah. Now, in terms of migration strategy, 
I think it starts by saying, today I work this way by accessing this content in its existing location. Mm-hmm. And tomorrow I will work in the new way of working with my content in its final destination. Yeah. And the migration strategy, I believe, describes that journey of the content. Yeah. How does that sound? That sounds very plausible. So if we work to that basis, then what our migration strategy is saying, hey, this is how we're going to migrate our content. So that's documented. And there's a, a, it's so crucial to do because we already know that people are already talking about planning, communications, all that kind of stuff. So we need to understand the scope of what that content is how we're going to move it and and what mm-hmm. the end user experience is going, is going to like. be. Yeah. All right. True. So that's our, our strategy. Now to yeah. try and make things a little bit easy for us, we came up with two scenarios that we will talk around. Mm-hmm. Well, I did. Yes. So this is all my fault. I get that. I'm happy with that. Well, One it's it's two very valid scenarios. Yeah. yeah. One is we just move the content to Microsoft three six five. Yes, just, just do a folder by folder kind Maybe. of, yeah. Yeah, whatever. We basically say, look, we have these 200 folders, top-end folders, and we're going to move them across and do something with them. But we're basically going to move them. Yes. Okay. Um, and then people are either going to use them or not going to use them, depending on your strategy. So mm-hmm. we'll we'll talk about some of those. Yeah. And then the second one is the more complicated process, which is move content into a managed content architecture. Mm-hmm. So that will actually require some level of intelligence taking place yeah. between going from a folder into its library, its final resting place. Yeah. So and again, there's a lot. So they're basically only two you actually have, thinking about it. Actually, you do. Yeah, exactly. It just depends how complicated you want to make each one or how complex. Oh, sure. Yeah. There, there are one. tons of, tons of, crossroads and tons of decisions that you need to make but if you're talking about a managed content architecture in just two sentences what do you mean okay i basically mean that when the content is moved it is searchable refinable it's uh, secured accordingly to what its content potentially labeled because you might want to drop it into labels so all of the things that you do with your content today metadata uh libraries security access labels sensitivity labels yeah potentially workflows yeah Yeah, all of those kind of things that as soon as i've migrated it it's it's now intelligent data in some way and it's very complicated we're never ever ever in our little hour going to cover these kinds of things no true 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 so so that's where we're at now, we've actually got Wendy with us tonight. And yeah. Wendy is fast asleep in the corner, farting a little bottom out. Because as we're sitting here trying to talk to you, there's this pervasive odor of dog bottom floating around our studio. <laughs> so thank you, Wendy. That is pretty awful. <laughs> oh, yeah. I thought that Lede kind of went sour, but no, okay. It's, it's, <laughs> no, it's, it's Wendy. Mistake. That explains Wendy's a lot. Wendy's okay. just sitting there all quietly going, yeah. <laughs> I'll pretend to be asleep yeah. here. So thank you, Wendy. Yeah. So anyway, anyway yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So going back to our other shitty problem, uh, how do we deal with moving this this content across? So exactly. there are two scenarios. Yeah. All right. And then we had some feedback from people. So we're going to basically take this feedback, throw them into those two kind of scenarios, 
and try and help you with the pluses and minuses of you know a very simple kind of migration moving content mm -hmm. into a more complicated migration where the end user will have a fully configured document library with new views content types enabled metadata specifically yeah um, exactly potentially yeah. record management and that kind mm -hmm. of stuff yeah because right. that's that's a very valid point because it's all about how the end user will tomorrow when they go back to the office and everything is migrated it's it's how they will perceive the new solution because that new solution that you want to start working with if it doesn't contain the documents or the documents in the place where you would expect them to that would lead to a poor user adoption well let's 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 start off because that brings us straight into our first comment which comes from uc mori hey thank you uc for your feedback and it was quite simple um we have simplified some of these comments from people by the way we're not quoting them word for word but getting your planning and communication so they're mm -hmm. two crucial aspects and it was repeated yeah. by one or two others as well but we've mm -hmm. taken different things from different people so yes planning and communication so planning Take it as read. People need to know what's going to happen. Yeah. And you also need to make like a proper planning. Say, okay, if the finance department is going to start working on SharePoint next week, Monday, we need to make sure that everything is moved and that everything, the old location is locked in some kind of way of read-only or whatever, and that everything is there. And if we want to do it in that managed content architecture, that it's all... Everything is there. People have got training. So it all ties down into your whole planning of the rollout. So that's it. We can stop now. And you've just covered it all in one go. You talked about the training. You talked about the planning. But there was one word in that sentence that uh, strung out. I mean, you saw it in my face. I saw you looking at me as I'm talking. There. So you said, if the finance department is going to migrate next week. So if doesn't come into planning. <laughs> yes but it, yes. but it, but we do true, talk true, true. that way okay. don't we yeah it's very easy to say look you know I, and i've been doing this the last two or three weeks i'm rolling out ms teams for a client but we're only doing the kind of basic stuff that's in skype for business keep it simple for users mm -hmm. keep it straight and i keep saying that yes well we're going to do one drive as well which we've set up really small and i hope to have this available in a period of time because I have not sat down and gone, okay, now what do I actually need to do here? It's already set up, configured, da 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 It's the same with the migration, yep. all right? Um, it is so easy to underestimate what you need to do for a migration. So it's very simple in simple terms. I'm going to copy that document from there, and I'm going to place it there, mm -hmm. which takes in no time at all to do. No, exactly, no, it all right, and then it gets complicated. So then the users get involved. That's the answer. We just don't let the users touch the content after we've moved it, and then all the problems have disappeared. <laughs> I yeah. thought you were going to say involve the users in planning the migration, but okay, no, let, let's not have the users use the content yeah. afterwards. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So to move in that document, let's just keep it very simple. We're going to move it from here into that new location. So then we start asking all those questions that make it complicated. Okay, how will the user know that it's moved? How mm -hmm. do we stop them using the old one so that they don't edit the wrong file? How do they? Um, how 
how do they share the uh, new versions and the new locations? Um, uh, are they happy to actually mm-hmm. migrate and, and use the locations? Uh, are they surprised when they turn up Monday morning and find that they can't? And also, all these questions suddenly end up with complications, complexity. Yeah. So is any migration simple? The answer is yes, by the way. You just need to work uh, it out. Yeah, exactly. Okay, because <laughs> there are, for example, a few technical bits and bobs that you will definitely um, see when you're doing a migration. For example, OneNote files. OneNote, the application, can it syncs the OneNote to your local machine. And if you move the cloud, the, the version that is shared to somewhere else, it will F up your OneNote system. I agree with you, but I was thinking about a simple way yeah, of migrating yeah. content. No, so exactly, yeah. So, but but I, what I, I just, had in mind? I just want to say two things. So you got OneNote that might pose a problem a lot of times. Will. And the other one is the um, connected documents, like Excel files that take data from other Excel files. If you're going to move these files, that's going to run into problems as well. But I get... I get it. That's really low-level stuff, and we're all talking about planning and communication. Here, you know, but... you know. You tell me that you want to keep this to basics. Yes, it's always you that ends up freaking complicating it. You know, and I know, going but with the difficult even stuff. even if this is your first migration, and you think, oh, it's just moving documents and folders from A to B, just make sure that you think about special documents that are linked to special applications and are being used in those kind of applications. That you also need to think about those things because uh, that can come back and bite you in the ass. I agree. So let's go back to keep it simple for a yeah. second. All right. Uh, is there any simple way of doing a migration? And the answer is yes. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I've done a few really simple migrations. Okay. Can I make my point yet? Sure. Okay. Go <laughs> ahead. Okay. I'll shut up now. I was thinking. Uh, go on. I was just thinking that if a user migrates it themselves, mm-hmm. then you remove the complexity. So we talk about what we're migrating content is. So for OneDrive for Business, for example, MS Teams, whatever. Yeah. Mm-hmm. If if the user actually moves it themselves, it doesn't matter when they move it because they know they've moved it. Yeah. Okay. Or copied it or whatever mm-hmm. you go. Um, and so the number one thing to consider is can a user migrate themselves? That's the first part of your strategy to actually decide. Yeah, well, it's part of the planning. Who is going to move your documents? Yes. We've said that. <laughs> yeah. All mm-hmm. right, a few times. Yeah. I'm trying to work out. <laughs> I'm trying to keep this simple. Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but... So the the planning side of the migration is going to be clearer if the user is going to migrate themselves. Yes. So question, do you assume that you're going to do a migration yourself unless there's a reason not to? So do you start off by going... Do you know my favorite answer to that question? Oh, let me have a think about that. It actually depends what kind of mood you're in. Well, exactly. (laughs) It depends, Yes. Because for some organizations, um, you might want to involve the end user to 
migrate some things themselves for other organizations, they will say, we don't have time for that. You just figure it out and tell us what we need to do. And then why do we do this podcast? To drink whiskey? No. Oh, no. That's, that's true. Yeah, yeah. Al- that's true. Also, but. Mm. So do we not do this podcast to share our experience? Yes. So listening to users is something we know we should never do. <laughs> true. That's true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. We should advise and consider, uh-huh. but not allow them to lead. Because once you allow the users to lead, they don't have enough experience to be able to make the true baseline decisions. We've talked about baseline governance before. Yes. And a lot would, of it yeah. is based around security and it's based around the knowledge required and the limitations of whatever you're trying to do. Mm-hmm. Okay. So you could decide, hey, if we're going to migrate this, you need to do it yourself because then it will be easy and simple. That's the, that's the strategy we have decided upon and it's been agreed by the stakeholders, which are usually managements within the organization. If they've disagreed with it, then obviously you outline to them, do you know how complicated it's going to get? I don't know how many folders you got, but I mean, the last major migration that I looked at had, had over 25 million folders, all right? Folders inside folders inside folders, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. How are you ever going to sit there and say, okay, we're going to migrate this folder on Monday and this folder on Tuesday, and you're just never going to get it. So trying to keep it simple. So defining that strategy is, is where we're going. So coming back then to planning and communication. So from, from yours, he's absolutely right. Yes. In terms of planning, you really need to be able to do that. But I really recommend that the project team are the people that define that plan based upon what can be achieved and how it can be achieved and then double it because it never ever takes the six months you think it did. It always goes on longer than that. Yeah. And then communicate that clearly. Okay. And not just the bits that say, Hey, on Friday you can, you need to get out of your documents at six o'clock because on, we're going to start migrating them. And then Monday morning you can check whether they're moved or not. And then if they are, we'll, you know, that, that is, actual communications you need to communicate the monday before and say hey on friday we're gonna do this and you need to think that if you need documents over the weekend you better make a copy locally on your machine this it gets instantly complicated when it comes to this plan so my first message to everybody is never underestimate how complex a migration is going to get to and you just said it yourself, you know, mm-hmm. those three, those two things that you talked about earlier, you know, OneNote files, files, files with links, yeah. mm-hmm. files that are connected. So, you know, um, if I'm referencing another document on a file share, it won't be referenced anymore. Nope. No. <clears throat> there are ways around it. Yes. I mean, uh, if you know where a spreadsheet is going to go to, then you can scan through Excels and, and with a, a script nowadays, you can go through and say, look, if you see this URL, you need to change it with this URL. Mm-hmm. So you can actually run the scripts and, and go through them. Um, uh, yeah, my man Galan came up with uh, a whole solution for that one. Nice. Um, okay. uh, it was good. Um, all right. So planning and communication is a key. But um, again, it's easy to say, you'll see, but it's actually. <laughs> pain well i i did ask it on twitter so you're only allowed to answer in 250 characters or something so yeah okay 
But it's true. The mm -hmm. plan is important. The strategy is important. And making sure that you have a communications plan in place it's true. Uh, for yeah. where you're going to get to. Yeah. So, and, and think simple. Um, again, start off by, can I manually migrate this? Can the user migrate this themselves? What are the risks associated with the user migrating it? If the risks are too great, then I have to go to the next step, which is saying, okay, so we're going to have to migrate for them. Mm -hmm. What are the risks associated with migrating for them? And just keep yourself climbing up until you get to the point where the value you're delivering is greater than the effort you need to put into it. When you get to that point and that balance, you're good to go. So migrating it themselves, the values are the user knows when it's done, da 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 the risks are they end up deleting the content, they don't migrate they, all yeah. of it, they forget some files. So the value and the risk balance, you just need to think about whether for your organization it works. Yeah, exactly. Um, and then, you know, and you move on to the next also super important what you just said, like for every organization, this will be different. For some organizations, you will just want to move everything straight away at once. For others, you want to do it department by department or whatever. Uh, yeah. Mm -hmm. oh, I, I agree. Yep. That's important. So in terms of migrations, you should start thinking about the migration the first time you start thinking about going to the cloud. Yes. So you could still be a year away from creating your first SharePoint site or your first MS Teams, probably not a year, okay? But that's a very short amount of time to think about migrating the content. Mm -hmm. Let's think big picture, big picture migration for a minute or two. Yeah. Do you create all of your containers first before you migrate something, or do you migrate something and then you let users have access to it with all their content in there? So the old, the old argument is that how do I get everybody moving to SharePoint? Mm -hmm. Well, I put their content into SharePoint and then they have to go to SharePoint. Mm -hmm. And that never really quite actually works out. But that's the argument. If their content is there, they'll go to SharePoint. Or do you create a SharePoint site with a, a new library in it and say, hey, this is where you can start using this now. So now they still have access to their file shares, but now they have access to a SharePoint site. Which will never be used. Because what, the SharePoint or the file Yeah, shares? the SharePoint. You can say, look, here's a brand new, shiny new tool, which is still empty for now. People will, they, they might want to check it out, but they'll, they'll still be working with their content, which is what they do day to day. So they will still be, they will not be using that new SharePoint that often. I see that now with a, with a current OneDrive migration that we have. So... Um, currently, we have enabled OneDrive for a bunch of people, uh, but we haven't migrated anything yet. And we see that that new OneDrive is hardly being used. Even though we said, okay, if you put the files there, your new files that you create, if you put them there, you will have better ways of sharing them and version history and all the, the bits and bobs that you get with OneDrive. Almost nobody's using it. How are you encouraging that? This is a different conversation. Yeah, this is a different conversation. I'll tell you something. Oh, Our next subject is back to basics, adoption, and Good. Yes. change. Good, yeah. Because I was thinking that this morning. I was thinking, yeah, okay, let's just do the basics there. Yeah. So, so let's just come back so, to that. Yeah, so for, for so, me, what I would do is I would, uh, so let's say uh, the finance team is going to start working on Monday with their new content in SharePoint. 
today is let's say Thursday or Friday and I'm ready to move the content um, I'll probably create the site a day before um, make everything work uh, create all the libraries perhaps metadata if, if we're going to use that add the security in there don't communicate about it and then over the weekend for example migrate everything in there and on Monday morning send out a nice shiny uh, email to everyone saying look as we discussed before, this is uh, your new location and this is where you can start using your new site. And then later on, we will do, <laughs> sorry about that. Later on, we will do a, uh, a revisit where we say, okay, you've been using this now for two weeks. What can we do to make your life easier? What can we add? What kind of ways to benefit the way you're working? And now you're going to say bollocks. <laughs> but once more, this depends from customer to customer. Like for some customers... No, but you say this is how I would do it. So let's yeah, just yeah, stick, exactly. Let's, not, let's yeah. not do that for a minute. Because no, okay. let, let, I think I, I never do that. It's interesting. Mm-hmm. But I never, ever do that. I, I get sites up and running and it, it stuff up and running as soon as humanly possible. And then I do demonstrations and training and I get training organized and, and get everybody excited immediately about the new tools. And I get them to forget the stuff that they used to use and only start thinking about the new things. Yeah, but that's, that's the same like you go test drive a car and then you go back to the garage and you say, I'll buy one. And then the person will say, good, now you have to sign this uh, waiting list where you have to wait for 15 months until you get it. Everybody is reminding me about how long it takes for my new car to arrive. Yes. But it's a fact. It is. And And I can't change it. you're just like, I want to start you. Why can't I do it like No, no, They can start using this. I give you a SharePoint site tomorrow and they start using the SharePoint site. So what they will probably do is they'll say, oh, but these are the 20 documents that I'm using every day. I'll already copy them Fine. into the new site. Fine. Perfect. No problem with that at okay. all. In fact, I will even encourage them. Okay. Uh, again, depending upon what the migration strategy is that we've agreed. Of course. Of but course. in my mind, I don't want to discourage people from using this new content. Isn't that the idea of adoption and change about encouraging people to use it? Mm-hmm. So your adoption and change program is built on the fact that no, you can't? Or is it built on the fact of, <laughs> yes, you can? Mm, okay. A good, a good way of looking at it. No, yes. no, no. Oh. I, 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 it's just me, all right? I'm mm. weird. Everybody knows I'm weird. But I, I, hey, it's a new site. I, I have not even done my SharePoint governance documents yet. I haven't even think, And I'm now already releasing it for the transformation team because the transformation team are transforming. They're doing change. Of course, yeah, but that's, so that's your pilot user group. Yeah, everybody can make excuses yeah. for it. Bottom line is I'm still <laughs> not done and not done and not done, but yeah. I went down the line. And now I'm getting, now I'm getting some, a, a little bit of pressure because people are all wanting Office 365. Of course, because yeah. those just, guys, those guys have it. Why can't we have it? There we go. Adoption and change. Yeah. I'm, I'm winning. Yes, because here. you're you're the ad car thing. You're you're creating the, uh, the you have the uh, awareness, uh, and but the, now you have the want of everyone, desire, the desire. The ad, yes, ad 
desire. Yes. So yes, I, I do that all the time. And I don't care about the migration. And here's why, pointing my finger at you, here's <laughs> why I don't care about the migration. Okay. Because the average document is only cared about for three or four weeks. Yes. While I'm thinking about creating it, while I create it, while I get it approved, while I dis- deliver it for its purpose, and then it gets stored somewhere. And then I yeah. move on to creating another document and another document and another spreadsheet, another Word document. So giving them a site where they can use metadata and its content types and all that stuff we've already covered and let them start using it, people get excited and motivated. You know that my favorite way of doing a training course um, is to get a site that is completely open to everybody in the organization to add whatever content they want. And then I get them in a room and I go, okay, you're going to create three documents. I want you to tell me about your holiday. You can do it in a PowerPoint or a Word. Mm-hmm. And then da, da, da. And all of a sudden, I've got 60 documents in a library from yep. the people on the course. All right, then we can go through grid view, tag it. And then all of a sudden, I've got everything I need. I know you know to do this. Yeah, I'm telling everybody listening awesome. to us out yeah. there. But then I can do the filtering and the metadata and the auto the virtual folders and and all that kind of stuff. And as soon as I get them there, they're going, when can I start doing this? And then I have to turn and say, well, actually, we're going to do the migration strategy. So that'll take us about three months. Uh, and then we'll eventually migrate your content. So then you'll be good to go about a year on Thursday. <laughs> and, and they go, what? Typical IT. Yes. So this migration stuff is important. The strategy is important. Are we going to allow them into the tools first? Or is migration part of our release and part Schedule, of our adoption yeah. process. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's an important decision to make yes. early on. I know where I would go with it. I don't know whether you would go differently with it, but, but that's just what depends I depends on the customer. Yeah. On the organization. <clears throat> I don't agree with that statement though. I I very much agree with that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's because of that weird company you work for for the last 10, 15, 20, 30, 40 years or whatever. True. Uh, true. True. It, true. But uh, I, I but that see proves that. proves your point, doesn't it, actually? It depends also, on the customer. But yes. It, fair dues. It, I've, I've done a fair amount of migration projects over the years. And uh, I see that for almost every customer, we're using a, a different strategy. On, on delivering the goods or delivering the, the full experience to, to the end users. We're right. always, it's always being done in a different way. I'm very conscious, not of the time, but I'm just going to find out how much time we've been running here. I'm very conscious that uh, nearly 40 minutes in. Okay. <laughs> and we haven't actually really <laughs> talked about the nitty-gritty of a... Uh, of a Migration. Okay, so I'm I'm guessing we need to revisit this when we're in Barcelona. I think, yeah, I think so. Let's do let's do a a, a second a second part in Barcelona. All right. So yeah. let's let's anyway. just follow this on then. So yeah. let's just focus on what we've agreed so far, and then we'll move on. Oh, so what we've said is that you definitely need to have a migration strategy. And you need to answer a few questions around that about whether users can do it themselves, understand the risks and and the training requirements to do that, Mm -hmm. point one. Decide whether you're just going to move the content so that it's in your cloud and not in your file shares, for example, uh, or your old SharePoint sites, or whether you're going to have a, somebody called this a, a filtered 
migration. This is from Dylan Hayes, where, you know, kind of what you want to move and make sure that it moves into a properly formatted library content type and everything else. Exactly. And obviously yeah. they want is a lot complicated. So yeah. that's the first decision. And then the third decision is, is about the overall planning about whether you're going to set up the environment first and people can start using it from day one or whether you want to be able to uh, move across, uh, only allow them into the new environment when their content is in there, which of course gives you better management of content overall. I think those three things sum up beautifully the, comp the questions you need to ask yourself. So this is baseline, this is baseline migration. Baseline migration. These are the Good three call. questions you need to ask yourself when you're going to migrate content. Are you just going to move everything over? Are you going to do it in a more intelligent way, adding a bunch of benefits along the way? Who is it, who's going to do it? The end user or IT? And the third one was something very important that you just said and that just slipped out of my mind. It's old age, you know. It is. It is. It doesn't have anything to do with whiskey, but it is old age. It is old age. Yes. So um, around whether you're going to filter your content beforehand and whether you're going to go move it. Yeah, when you're going to deliver the, the, the site or the, the Whether the content, they only have access whatever. to the site when the content is yes, migrated. exactly. That's the third one, yes. Okay, I, so that's, then there is a fourth one. Okay. Just And I think that nicely takes us probably to the end of this podcast, maybe. Yeah. Um, the fourth one is defining what you're going to move. So yes. Shirag Patel, um, he came up with three very succinct words and his comment was know your data, exactly. which we think is content because after the last podcast, so know your mm -hmm. content. Yeah. So know whether I need to move all of that content mm -hmm. and then know what I'm going to do with the stuff I leave behind if I don't move it all. Yeah, but also know what you're moving. Is it HR contracts that you're moving? Is it a library of procedures? Is it, I don't know, archive data? What is it that I'm going to move? But that's easy, isn't it? Because Some, you're, sometimes, you, but no, but, yeah. But there's some assumptions here, so yeah. I accept that. But generally, we're assuming that people are either using SharePoint, so we are migrating existing old on-prem SharePoint. Mm. You're using file shares, mm -hmm. uh, or you're, well, they're, let's assume they're yeah. basically, course, basically yeah. what they are. Mm -hmm. Both of which will have access control and ownership already in place. Uh, yes, yes. So, so you actually know who to ask yes, what it is. exactly. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And therefore, you should know what the content is. Yes. The problem comes about in all of those cases, both of those scenarios, when the organization restructures and things move around. Yeah. Because then you end up with subfolders that have now different permissions on from the parental folders and different access controls. Sure. So knowing your data is the fourth area because it drives, first of all, it drives whether we go with a simple move stuff um and or whether we actually go with a build a, a content architecture sure. yeah so yes those are those four things i think is probably enough for the first for the first item mm -hmm. yeah i think so yeah and actually we had a few other people as well uh giving us um some some really good um ideas or or quotes about um migration so 
Um, for example, we had uh, Nikki uh, Nikki Chapel um, talking about deduplicate. Yeah, I think that is there's ten minutes conversation or fifty minutes on this alone. I think yeah, true, I think Nikki's true. right, definitely, yeah. but wrong. <laughs> okay. It depends. It depends. Okay, okay. So there's some immediate issues with deduplication. Okay, so what is duplicate files? Yeah, well, if the same file exists in three different folders okay, or so three different themes, maybe. So it's now owned by three different people. Exactly. And there's a very good chance that they've already tweaked them and modified them. Might be. And made them their own. Yeah. So does duplicate content really exist? And my next question is, how do you know? Because it's got the same title? Because it's, it's the, the same, same size? Folder with the same X document. Same structure? Yeah. So, Nikki Chapel, I absolutely agree. You don't want to move anything that is duplicated. But let's assume that it's duplicated in three different folders. And those three different folders have got different access controls on them. Mm-hmm. So now what do you do? Do you have to one document in one location and then you have to replicate the access control so they all have access to it? It's, yes, it's very valid. So true, yeah, yeah. But I'm not and, entirely sure you'll be able to get to any conclusions. No, and, and it also, once more, depends on the kind of customer and what they already have. And if the need for real analysis on duplicates is necessary i'm i'm I, i'm guessing that nikki has done a project where their um their their content was heavily duplicated yeah. and that she probably remembers this and that's why she says okay that is something you really need to focus on so i think that's that's definitely something i think there's certain criteria you can choose to identify them like you know if it's got oh, the yeah. same title yeah. The same creation date, the same modified date, yeah. the same size of file, it's duplicated. Mm-hmm. Um, but then again, as you said, it, it might be, it, it will probably have a use. And how are you going to deduplicate? But let's talk about that and next time, definitely. Agreed. So here's yeah. the thing, of course, there will be duplicated content because up until recently, you sat there, attached it to emails, and sent it to 17 people. Oh, yeah. And then if they store it on their personal drive or they mm-hmm. store it on their team site or they pass it to the rest of the team, then that same content is on there. But then I believe that the ownership changes. So sure. then it's not duplicated anymore because the owner's different. So even if the same content, so it's a, it's a very interesting kind of process to, yeah. to go with. Yeah. So are there any without getting into any of the more complicated areas for now, but based upon what we've discussed earlier about the migration strategy and those various aspects of the content, are there any areas that just can instantly complicate the process? So is it simple enough to say, hey, I'm going to move this content into this location. Uh, I know who it's owned by because these people own that folder. Um, when it gets to the other end, I'm going to give it these conditions and I'm going to auto-tag the folders or I'm going to run a script or I'm going to do something to, to make it migration and done. All right, and then I walk away from it. So is, is, is the migration just about moving the content or is there post-migration work to do? 
Um, I think so. One one of the recent projects that I did was we we had a very um, simple definition. Like if it's gonna be if if it it was a SharePoint to SharePoint migration. If it is something that is more communication like, let's move it uh, to a communication side. If it's more uh, collaboration like, let's move it to Teams. And there were a number of um, of of sites that it wasn't really clear and that we moved it one way and then actually they said, okay, no, we need something else. Also, what we got was a number of sites where we, for example, now I'm talking about SharePoint to SharePoint migration, where we copied uh, site pages across. And that never or almost never really went well. So we got lines of text that were now suddenly uh, lined to the right instead of to the left. And and Bottom line is you never migrate pages from SharePoint sites. It's never smooth. It's a pain in the uh, proverbial. Attitude, but yeah, it's true. But um, so there might be some post um, work. I was thinking done. more simple. Also around, for example, security. That you say, okay, we we have uh, a folder that is sitting here with five with with finance department has access to it, and now we move it, and now we actually say, okay, but if we're moving it here, then we also need to give extra access or whatever to this and this kind of thing. So there might be a lot of extra work involved. Those kind of things are exceptions. Yeah. Yes, but you will always run into a lot of exceptions. So as I'm. As we kind of coming to the end of this now, because we've done yeah. fifty minutes and we've really only touched uh, on the basics. <laughs> <laughs> nice work. Yes. Okay. I wonder whether the migration strategy needs to be done really, really early, even maybe a year before you even start migrating, because the migration strategy that's agreed is going to define your architecture and structure for your SharePoint sites and teams. Yeah. And so if you know that you are moving all of the content, for example, so everything has to move, mm-hmm. end of story. But also we know that there's some archived content in there. Yes. All right. Um, you then also need to think about when it does move, that means I need to create records or I need to have a deletion policy yep. or I need to whatever. And that deletion policies will automatically activate if you move something across and it falls into the delete me category, mm-hmm. it will instantly get deleted. deleted. Yeah. Yeah. So knowing what your migration strategy in is absolutely you need it way before you might think about moving your first document library because that's how you're going to define your you know your content architecture in terms of retention, in terms of um content types, in terms of metadata, in terms yep. of quite a lot of stuff. So I think that we've underestimated this migration story. And I think you're right. Yeah. I think this needs to be sitting in the sunshine in Barcelona with a bottle of whiskey. Yes. Turn the microphones on. Yeah. And see whether we can actually make head and tail of this when we've had a few um, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. relaxing moments in the sun. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes. Oh, wow think so okay 
Oh, we've still got other comments from other people to go through. Yes, we, we had the, a, a really, a really great um, uh, reply from Paul, Paul Bullock. And I'm actually going to grab my phone because he says something. Why? We're supposed to be saving these for next time, aren't we? No, we're not. Yeah, we are. You Paul, said we want to cover it. Paul said as well, just like you see, planning and communication, design and testing. But what he said, and that is that's going to be the premise for our next session. He said, migrations offer the opportunity to transform and modernize business processes to streamline your collaboration. It's more work, but you can scrub out inefficiencies and practices from using the old system. I think that is uh, brilliantly said. And um, yeah, totally agree on that, of course. I'll look forward to you telling us all about that in the next podcast then. Yes, I will. <laughs> I will repeat that. Yes, But we cannot call it... Back to basics migration. No. We'll call it back to back to basics migration. What about calling it business transformation with Microsoft 365? Or call it baseline migration. But it's not but about it's, migration. It's no, now it's about no, introducing a whole yes. bank of new processes, mm-hmm. which is, is fabulous. Paul, love it to bits. But I'm not sure it's migration. Anyway. Just to let you know. <laughs> okay, yes. It good. definitely falls into that category of moving content into a managed content architecture. It, yes. Because absolutely. if you want to run processes and life cycles yeah. and workflows yeah, yeah. and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. So. You know what we also should do? Maybe if we, what we could do is come up with one of our brilliant um, fake companies and just say okay this is what we have how would we tackle this we could but let's not okay (laughs) sure enough okay well uh, the reason i say this is that we'd end up having to wear different hats so many different hats yes and you know hr legal yes finance yes it director yeah resource it's, it but would this just podcast be so is to us do. with us ex- exper- with our experience talking about how we would the the advice that we would give to our listeners. So, if we would come up with some real life stories, um, I think that might have some value. But anyway, let's see. Let's see. That's okay. This is supposed to be fun and relaxing <laughs> and finish with a whiskey. Yes. The finish with the whiskey part, that's something that uh, I've been looking forward ever since I got here. Actually, since, ever, since you tweeted, uh, sent me that picture of that bottle that you have. So. All right, we'll try and recap this a little bit later. But yes, let's, let's talk about whiskey. Um, <clears throat> Once upon a time. So <clears throat> a friend of mine basically asked me some time ago, uh, listen, I need some 18-year-old Japanese whiskey. Do you know where I can get some 18-year-old Japanese whiskey from. Um, he already sent, showed me a pictures of a, a box of 12-year-old Japanese whiskey, which had eight bottles in it. And I went, oh, do you need any help with that? He went, yes, I do need help. I need some 18-year-old whiskey. So I said, well, funny enough, I was in a store yesterday, and they had two different kinds, at which point he texted me back a few minutes later and said, I've just bought them. He was actually buying them for his customers and all that kind yeah. of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but as a reward, I got one of the 12-year-olds. Okay. okay. As a thank you for some whiskey consultancy work 
Nice. Um, it is not a bad way to get paid, actually. Uh, so here we are. So we are going to be tasting uh, Yamazaki, a uh, 12-year-old uh, whiskey from uh, Japan. And um, you could carry on leaning against that wall listening to me. Or, or you could go and take the top off of that bottle and pour uh-huh, it into a couple uh-huh. of glasses. It's not a cork. So it's not a cork. Yeah. No, it's a Japanese practicality. So let's just try and work out where this is made. So it's made uh, in Japan at the uh, Yamazaki Distillery, uh, which is situated... Um, uh, whereabouts is it dist- distrib- is situated... I actually don't know. I did know. I've got a feeling this was one of those we were going to be looking around. So it's Kyoto. So it's it's in the warm area of uh, Tokyo, uh, of Japan. You're actually reading it on the back of the bottle, aren't you? So which is cool. Um, and so consequently, it has that very quick maturation process as well. So this is a 12-year-old. Um, it is a beautiful colored whiskey. I have already tasted this. Moraine has not. So cheers. All right. Now, even even without putting my nose to the glass, I can already smell it, it's and it's it's not when it's not when that I'm smelling. It's definitely, <laughs> yes. definitely, definitely a lot of vanilla and fruit that is filling the room. But it's quite bitter fruit, though. It's not sweet fruit. If you get mm. your nose really close to yeah. it, it does get those apples and peaches and stuff. But definitely you know, that that uh, autumn, yeah, autumny fruit, yeah, yeah. No, it is uh, it's beautiful. So they talk about um, jasmine, cinnamon, candied orange, which I think is probably what you you talked about when you first said that that uh, uh, that that nose, mm-hmm. um, and plenty of nut oils and tropical fruits. Yeah, because there is there is a scent that I can't really place. Try pineapple. Y- might be, but it might also be that nutty, Maybe. a little bit yeah, of no. nutty nuttiness. Yeah, I just like the color. I think it's it's one of those whiskies oh. that has the right color for whiskey. Yeah, it's it's, it's golden kind of, brown. It tells you this is going to be a nice flavor. Yeah. Uh. Um, a dark gold they describe it as. I wonder if the marketing companies come up with these colours for whiskies. They're always only if they do caramel colouring. Yes, yes, yes. I suppose so. But anyway, it's a beautiful nose, and it's different for most Japanese whiskies. So it is. A lot it's, of Japanese whiskies are more floral than this. It's more woody. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Definitely that. It's less uh, blossomy, less floral. Yeah. Mm. This is a chewable whiskey. <laughs> yeah, I I can definitely see there's a lot of oil in in mm. the glass when I swirl it around. So this is full bodied. It's twelve year old smooth. There's no doubt about that. We get villa, vanilla and citrus in there, but the spice on the tongue is very very pleasant. It's very warming, and the finish goes on and on and on. Yes. Oh my god. <clears throat> it's good, isn't it? This, this is, this is good. This is actually the word I'm looking for is incredible. Yeah. yeah. This, this is Japanese whiskey 
at its best. We we looked at yeah. somebody's comment on this, didn't they? And mm-hmm. uh, its words were, "This is hands down the best whiskey I've had." Yeah. Um. Not really. No. I'm. I'm don't really join that statement. But um, it is hands down the nah, the best Japanese whiskey. Although I I really love those Mizunara casks as well. Um, but this, this really, yeah, this is really something else. It yeah. is. Yeah. I, I think this is probably has more body than the average Japanese whiskey and it, and it has more complexity. So the most of the Japanese was like the one we tasted. We did Japanese, uh, a few podcasts ago. In fact, um, in fact, it might've been the last podcast thinking about it. Yeah, we did Japanese already. Um, but, uh, they tend to be more floral and light, yes. which is. Which is yes. what we like about them, yeah. They're they're very summery kind of whiskies. Yeah. They're very they're lifted above a traditional Scotch. Yeah, you know, in which terms is, of high notes more and highlights, balls yeah. in there. Yeah, more wood. Yeah, but this is very much a Japanese whiskey with the Scottish style. You know, oh, yeah, Deanston yeah. comes to mind when I taste this, for example. Yeah, but you know, this, that traditional this is more whiskey. refined yes. as a Deanston. A Deanston is more like a. A drinker's whiskey, a, a man's man's whiskey, and this is more of a gentleman's dram. This is exactly right. That's exactly what. This is. But it's beautiful. I am gonna put a touch of water on there, just to see what that does. Mm. But as you get further down the glass, it actually gets smoother. Which is unusual because the spice often kind of gets a little stronger. Um, but the more you drink of this, the more it becomes, um, yeah. I'm just waiting for you to decide what the water did to it. It's not a good idea. Although it brings out much more of that the pepper. Fruit. Oh, really? Yeah, much more of that pepper on the back. Yeah, I was just talking about how that seems Def- to disappear. That so that is definitely the there, uh, but it does dilute the the the, the taste in the beginning uh, a little, so you don't have that luxury uh, thick feel in the mouth. But um, the the it it really implement, uh, adds a lot to the pepper on the back. Yeah, you're right. So the nose disappears with the, just a drop of water. Yeah. In. Although it it becomes more like a traditional Japanese uh, nose with the Which water is, in, yeah, just you like know, a, a floral, soft, and, soft uh, nose, yeah, sort of soft fruits, yeah. So I think you can definitely have this without uh, water. Yeah. You're right about the pepper, doesn't it? It gives you a real bite. Yeah, just like just by adding some of that oxygen to enhance the flavor, turn. It does turn into a different whiskey. Mm-hmm. And it's not a bad thing. No, but it kind of turns it into an unbalanced whiskey, I think, where you have yeah, almost okay with that. no flavor in when you just pour it in your mouth. You, you have almost no flavor. Then it comes up, and then when you swallow it down, two seconds later, it hits you a lot with that pepper. While if you don't put any water in there, it's just a well-rounded experience with the oils. I'm guessing. On the, um, oh, actually, I really quite like that pepper hit. Uh, on our Whiskey at Ease channel, 
Mm-hmm. One of the things you emphasize uh, on episode two, which is about to be uh, released and uploaded onto our YouTube channel, is that how important those three balanced stories are. Mm-hmm. So the the nose, the palate, and the finish. And a really, really good whiskey is not one that's got a great nose and a great palate and a, and a great finish, but it's the one that has balance in there. Yeah, and you're right. Adding a drop of water to this changes the ratio of that balance. It changes the balance. Yeah, mm-hmm. it it moves it more into a, a uncle nearest with that strong peppery spicy finish. Once you drop put a drop of water in, but it also has without the water the kind of more traditional Deanston traditional Scotch, you know, with a good palate and a yeah. and a and a complex taste across the tongue. So it's two different kinds of whiskies based Absolutely, upon what you do. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, I have to say, this is probably easily in the top five whiskies I've ever tasted. It's definitely up there. Yeah, yeah. I I agree. Yeah. All right, which is why it's difficult to get old of now. Which mm-hmm. is why, of course, twelve-year-old is a little rare. It's becoming more common, but. Um, and uh, it's becoming from a, a distillery that's been around for a long time, small batch, that kind of stuff. Um, so there you go. So that was the Yamazi uh, single Yamazaki. malt. Uh, Yamazaki. sorry. Yeah. 12-year-old single malt. Um, I have a feeling this bottle won't last long, <laughs> yeah. um, but but there you go. Or, or it probably will do, because I know there's not much of it around. So, mm-hmm. uh, but But there you're at. All right, and uh, we're 105 in, and I guess we kind of need to try and round up this back to basics. There's a perfect roundup because you actually said really four really important things that brings us back to that baseline governance migration. migration. Baseline migration, yeah. yeah. Exactly. And and they were? And they were who is going to do the migration? Are you going to do it? Is IT going to do it, or do you want to let? your business and measure the risk yeah perfect second one is um are you just gonna migrate everything or are you gonna um deduplicate find the archive stuff exactly just move it into a more um managed content architecture yep Uh, second one the third one that you said is when are you gonna give the cost the, the the organization or the parts in the organization Access to the access to the applications. applications yeah. Um, so either you're going to give them access before you migrate or when you migrate. Exactly. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And the then fourth, the fourth one, one was know your content. Yeah. Exactly. Know what you're migrating. Well remembered. This will be turned into a presentation by you. Now you've got those four things in your head, won't they? Might well be. Yeah. <laughs> I have got I've got that thing with every single episode of our podcast. Every time I drive home and I say to myself. This is a brilliant idea for a session. Why don't we? Because we're, we're in Barcelona for three or four days yeah. together. We're going to take the video. We're going to take the uh, sound equipment. Mm-hmm. Why don't we try and create a series of videos that review some of the best podcasts that we have as videos? 15 minutes I just to... I think that's a brilliant idea. The point. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, we need to find a venue to do it, but we've got a great uh, balcony overlooking yeah. barcelona so yeah. let's hope the weather is slightly better there than it's here. it's going to be it's going yeah. to be 10 degrees warmer than uh Probably, belgium yeah. which is brilliant and uh there's no rain scheduled according to awesome the uh, the roadmap so the weather map so that should be Good. cool 
Woo! Well, my head's spinning a little bit after that whiskey. That was okay. really, really nice. So I really enjoyed that. And um, I think we have bit off too much to do <laughs> yes. back to basics migration. Oh, well. So I shall look forward to developing the strategy on another podcast where we kind of look at the, the nitty gritty of how we migrate and how we set the communications plan up and mm-hmm. all those things we've not covered today. Uh, yeah, brilliant. Call. Yeah. Thank you very much. I enjoyed this. Thank it was you. Good yeah. It's one of those things where I just, in, in, in the morning you send me this uh, image of, of the flip chart with uh, the, the two scenarios I was like, hmm, will we be able to actually talk about this for a whole hour? Hmm, <laughs> how much can you talk about this? We uh, never got past Yussi's comment and uh, no. Shirag's comment. No, I know, I know, I know, I know. So we've got tons more to come around this sub- uh, about the subject. So uh, Yeah, I can feel it already. Back to yep. basics, migration part two, exactly. live from Barcelona. Boom. Boom. Yes. Night, folks. Bye-bye. We are not millennials. We are mature. Steve may be more than Maren. Maturing the business like whiskey in a barrel.